Welcome to episode 118 of R&D in the QC. It is the Thanksgiving edition, assuming Tark actually gets this posted in a timely manner. It's Thanksgiving <laughs> week, it's the day before Thanksgiving, and we are thankful to have Ms. Marjorie Molina on the show, one of the two um, new council members this term and a dear friend of mine. So Marjorie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Hello. Hey, Tark. Hey, I've, I've already seen you this week, so uh, good to see you again. Luckily, we don't see Larkin anymore, so, you know. Only on Zoom. Yeah, I'm kind of sad about that, low bone, but, you know, I, I'll take the whole show talking about that. Just, yep. you know, yeah. Well, so we had uh, Ms. Dante Anderson on a couple weeks ago and had a similar conversation with her, and we wanted to do the same with you. There were four new-ish council members this term, but two of them had been on council before, had been on the podcast before, but our listeners and our viewers had not had a chance to get to know you and Dante. So they got to know Dante earlier this month and we want them to get to know you. So tell us, give our listeners who don't know Marjorie Molina, give them the, the five minute, who is Marjorie? Tell us your background and how you came to, uh, to run for office. Oh my goodness. Uh, that's a jam packed one. Um, Marjorie has been in Charlotte. I've been in Charlotte for 18 years. You can speak in the first so. third, third person. No, no. Continue <laughs> with third person, please. Our listeners really like third person. So if you I'll can just keep doing that. Third, third person is more of a Tark thing. I prefer you speaking first. Uh, Tark would really like it if you would continue like that. <laughs> Tark, no speaking of yourself in uh, third person at the dais. I have, I'm going to do that from now on. So thank you for that idea. All right. A first person account of your life, Marjorie. Uh, well, uh, I've been in Charlotte for 18 years. So I'm native North Carolina. Um, I grew up in a town called High Point. So um, right up the road from you in Wynn. Um, And I've been here for 18 years. I came and um, I started working in our community, as you know, it's over two years doing a whole lot of community-based projects and volunteering and getting to know our community through service. Um, and I never envisioned working as a, you know, or running for office. I, you know, I figured I'd serve, I knew to serve. I'll continue to serve even once I'm not in an elected position. And so it's just a part of my DNA. Um, and uh, I'm a mom of two. I have a 12 and 15 year old um, and they are have one high school and one in middle school. Um, I speak Spanish as a second language. I'm fluent. I read, write and speak Spanish. Um, hola. And hola. Yo puedo decir cualquier cosa. Nosotros no vamos a hablar en español si quieres. Oui, 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 oui. Oui, oui. And now you're going to switch to French. <laughs> oh, I'm multilingual. I'm sorry. I see that. I see that. I see you got that going on, you know. Um, and, um, it was through, uh, your encouragement, Larkin, I, I really, um, I, like I said, I never envisioned running for office and I, I absolutely envisioned that journey with you being there. Um, but you know, fate had a different plans. Um, and so, yeah, there's that. Um, I have an undergraduate degree. I went to Arizona State University. Actually, before that, I went to Central Piedmont Community College because I graduated uh, with all of my degrees as an adult, uh, a mom, a wife, children. I went back to school uh, right here in Charlotte. 
um, and I got my associate degree first. Best community um, college in North Carolina. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'm an alumnus of Piedmont Community College. I earned my associate degree first. And I highly encourage that method, actually. It saves you a ton of money uh, if you're going to do, you know, education and you want a four-year degree, I highly encourage, I will encourage my own children to do the same if that's the path that they choose. Let's go community college first um, for, you know, saving that coin. Um, And then I went to a hybrid program through Arizona State University right here in Charlotte. I lived here in Charlotte the entire time uh, that I'd done this. And I, I traveled back and forth. So I've been to Tempe. I've been to Arizona State. Uh, they selected me as what you call a capital scholar. Um, and so I worked and lived in Washington, D.C. I commuted uh, with young kids. I lived in Washington, D.C. Uh, during the week and I came back home on the weekends. I worked at an international nonprofit. Uh, exhausting. It was exhausting. It was exhausting. Uh, it was very exhausting, actually. Um, some Sundays I would you know, catch the bus from Charlotte to D.C. to go to work on Monday morning. Uh, so I would get ready on Sunday before the mega bus left. And then I would just go straight to work. I would sleep on the bus and go straight to work on Monday. Uh, so, yeah, I was focused. I really wanted it. I wanted it bad. Um, and so I, I finished um, at Arizona State University and um I went to Central Piedmont because I was transitioning from being a small business owner to try and get back into corporate after having a break from having a corporate position because uh, my ex-husband and I, we own small businesses. And so I'd I'd been out of the corporate sector for a long time and I was trying to transition back and I was trying to use my, you know, service and work to really paint the picture that I was qualified to uh, I do work. And so I, I really just credentialed myself as much as I can. So I went back to Central Piedmont. Uh, I got certified in data analytics uh, using SQL. Um, I also have certification in project management and business analysis, uh, one from Arizona State and one from Central Piedmont. Uh, and then we went into a global pandemic. So I was like, I, I was working at DreamKey Partners as a contractor, part, you know, partly. And then I was like, I'm just I'm going to go get my master's degree because when I come out of this, I want to make sure that I'm like ready to hit the ground running. And then you come Larkin. So then you're like, you know, um, Marjorie, there's this it's time. Yeah. It's time. <laughs> and you, you know, and I'm looking at you like Larkin. I'm I'm in school. Like I'm, you know, and I got this whole big plan. Like I'm gonna go get me this great job and get me the a whole. World lot works of money. in mysterious ways, right? <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, and that's kind of the path here. Um, and I and I really appreciate you. I really do. Um, I wouldn't have and couldn't have gotten this journey started without you. So well, it means welcome. a lot. And I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, we, we all have uh, we all have interesting paths to counsel. If you'd seen Tarek's heavy metal music uh, soundtrack videos of his first campaign in 2007, you'd have assumed he'd have never been on council, and yet here he is. Yeah, here <laughs> I am. Let's go, we to, Tarek. We yeah. need to like put those back out. I think if we can find them, they're 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 out there. They're still out there. The internet never forgets. That's that's good content. Tarek had like death metal 
Uh, it wasn't death was. metal. No way. Yeah, it was <laughs> 311. Is the 311 death metal, Lorgan? Uh, I thought it was a little heavier than that. Maybe Beautiful not. Disaster by 311 <laughs> is the song you're, you're I referring I swear to. I saw like a, a mega death uh, or something. Maybe not. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, we'll find that. And we'll put it out as some uh, added content later. When we Maybe we'll put that out along with our uh, our annual holiday episode mm, holiday <laughs> yes so so now you're on the council I, what aside from how difficult it is to work with Tark, what has your experience been like what is it like what's something you've really enjoyed what's something you really have not enjoyed and, and maybe what's the biggest surprise so far on you're you're two and a half months in now yeah um i mean i've enjoyed the relationship that i'm beginning to develop with our community in district five um, I, you know, I already had a relationship with some people, but I'm getting to know a whole lot more of our East Charlotte community. And I, I really enjoy that. I enjoy the connection, um, you know, getting to work and serving. It, it's a broader capacity for sure, but I, I'm really enjoying getting to know our community, uh, the areas of opportunity, because we have a ton. We, ha you know, this, uh, we have a ton of areas of opportunity. So I'm excited to, you know, make an imprint um, and an impact, you know, much, you know, just kind of continue the work that has already gotten started, but um, I'm excited to continue that. Um, I think the biggest, I guess, thing that I've not liked so far is that this is a lot of work. We are not part-time employees. Um, I just, if, if I had one thing to say in the 10 weeks that I've, you know, been on this council and especially coming right from the National League of Cities, you know, meeting all of the diversity and how people lead organizations that are similar to our own. I feel, Look, and I'm not here to cause a raft or rift or anything, but we're behind the times when it comes to cities that are comparable to the amount of work and expectation that we have as a member of a governing body of our size. Um, I, I met people who had governing bodies that were similar to ours and they have more resources at their disposal to serve their constituents. And for us, we share, me and Larkin, we share the same person, or me and, I'm sorry, me and Tarek, we share the same person. We share one person to get all of our work done. So in between as a, hours, as a staff member at the city, just to clarify yeah. for our listeners, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, sorry, each, yeah, each council member gets a half of a support staff person. We get half of a person and Tarek and I share the same exact person to do everything that we need to get done. And, you Tarek, know, do you all still have Alana? Nope. Uh, I was gonna, well, shout out to Alana. Alana Braxton. Uh, that was, he gets Alana all to himself now as mayor, mayor Pro Tem. Tem gets their own, uh, their own. Support. Oh yeah. They, they get one and everyone else gets a half. You didn't know that. Oh, wow. See, I, I, I never, I don't, I don't use my staff support person in the way that a lot of other folks do where, you know, I, I, for follow up and stuff like that. It's great for like emails and, and different things, but I just, you know, I, I end up doing either most of the things by myself or they don't get done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some people, but imagine, them, imagine. some people use them to just help keep them organized on track and make sure they don't miss stuff. Some people use them to do, try to do their job as a council yeah, member. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, so I'm, I'm in my emails and I am definitely corresponding with the people who I serve directly. A lot of people correspond directly with me, um, but it, 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 it stacks up really quickly, you know, to where I have to have her to kind of step in and help me with certain things. Um, you could employ so Tarek's technique of just not looking at your email and then it doesn't <laughs> stack up. It can't stack up if you don't know it's there. Yeah, yeah. It'll stack up on you quick. Like you look and it's like a whole stack of emails that you're swimming through to reach out to various constituents. As far as Tark knows, he's at inbox zero right now. (laughs) Tark, that's not true, right? Yeah, it's it's zero. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that that's probably been the thing that I think, um, you know, Charlotte, we have grown. I was so proud of us at the National League of Cities, and I conveyed that to the council um, in our last meeting. People spoke very highly of Charlotte, um, and they, you know, were asking me questions that made me proud of our city, you know, and, and we get to see the, the, the things that we need to do more often than not. So we see our areas of opportunity more uh, than other people would. But from the outside looking in, there were a lot of people who, um, who just wanted to model what Charlotte had been doing, asking questions about, you know, various parts of our organization and stuff. So um, I feel like it's time for us to rise. Just, just to be them. cautious of the NLC Kool-Aid they pass around throughout that thing. Mark and I have been been going, we went there for a number of years. And while there's truth to some of that, it's also the other side of this coin that I think as time goes on, you'll probably hopefully see more and more of, which is uh, Charlotte is great uh, in those areas in many cases, in spite of the council and, and just, uh, you know, so yeah. uh, there's a lot of reasons why we're great. And of late, it's not all just due to like, we're, we're an exceptional city council. So yeah. of the dozens and dozens of subject matters that uh, a council member has to be versed on and has to vote on and handle, what are you finding to be the, the biggest learning curve for you? Zoning, zoning, zoning. Yep. Zoning. And that's why. About- 40, 50% of the work of a city council member. Yeah, zoning. Yeah. Zoning is definitely the heaviest of the lift, for sure. Hands just down. because it's a subject matter that you didn't really have any experience with coming in or just because it's so technical and kind of like nerdy if you haven't been in that industry? Well, I think it's a little of both. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like if, you, if you're not a planning or development professional and you come into a zoning meeting, that's foreign language, uh, most of it you know, uh, and then there's so much of it, you know, and then, you know, we don't just deal with our district, we deal with the entire city simultaneously. So, you know, um, I, I'm adept with what's going on in district five, but if something's going on in district six, I got to find out what Tarek is doing, you know? Uh, I think Tarek will agree with me. The, my best advice for that is lean on Dave Patton and Allison Craig. They're both awesome. And uh, I don't know, I mean, Tarek's not nodding or shaking his head. So I don't know if he agrees with me or not. <laughs> but I, I, mean, do. I, do. I think I think with those people, anytime I had questions and I called Dave or I called Allison, like their understanding of it, we have such an amazing staff in our planning department. And I think those two are, are among a bunch of shining stars. But I mean, that that to me is what I always recommend to folks is we've got these amazing people leading these departments of the city who have literally done this stuff for 10, 20, 30 years and have, you know, two or three degrees in that subject matter. And as council members, I think you know, we bring to the table the perspectives of the community, but we've got to lean on, y'all have got to lean on the staff who are the subject matter experts, use what they can 
bring you up to speed on and the perspectives they have inform that with the community perspective and then make a decision because I always felt like I know Tarek will agree with this. I always felt like there were people at the dais who were trying to play an expert in a subject that none of us are subject matter experts in. And it's like, but wait, we've got 10 people sitting in the audience who know this subject inside and out. Let's let's ask them instead of us just pretending we're an expert. Yeah, the, the, uh, the key the key is being consistent, right? And in, in my opinion, it, it, in order to be consistent while you're ramping up, it's re- the easiest default way is we have staff and staff creates a staff opinion and it's either consistent with the plan or it's inconsistent. And then we've got a backdrop of that, which is the community and the leaders there that volunteer in the um, zoning committee. And they either vote to support or say, no, you shouldn't. And I find as you get further along and more versed in all the nuances of all this, then you can start to see, okay, well, no, that's not right. That's not how policy is. But in the meantime, I, I find those are the experts. That's their view. The The safe bet is to say, I, I'm going to support those recommendations. And then if, if, if you feel the need to not support one of them from a consistency perspective, then you need to go in and point at policy and say, this is, this is why that doesn't make sense. Because at the end of the day, I think you're seeing this in a lot of conversations we have we're a transactional council. Whatever the topic that comes up, everyone's got an opinion. A bunch of them are way out in left field. And then people say, I like it or I don't like it at a, at a transaction level when we should be at a policy level defining what we will accept and what we won't. And that level of consistency is really important. If you're not, you can fall into a trap real easy of trying to appease either a developer and or a petitioner or a community member or a neighborhood and that's a real slippery slope. And it could also be, you can fall into the trap of thinking that 10 people who are emailing you repeatedly and are very oh. angry about something represent a thousand people in your district, which they very rarely do. Um, and so sometimes it, it is literally that the squeaky wheel gets the grease because you'll get 10 or 12 people who kind of coalesce and say, let's fight this thing, totally. even if this thing is really reasonable. Uh, and then when staff says they support it and the zoning committee says they support it and there's no other real big red flags, you're going, well, wait, you know, is it 10 people that are against this or is it a big percentage of my constituents? Um, so sometimes it's it's hard to know because you never hear from people. No one ever emails you hardly to say, unless it's an affordable housing project or something they're really passionate about. Very rarely will you get an email from someone who says, I think this rezoning makes sense here. Yeah. Like no one bothers to send that email. <laughs> yeah. They only send the email if they hate it. Yeah. Uh, and I, what I found a lot of times was if you'd have a conversation with that person and you'd talk through it, sometimes it's just a misunderstanding because to the point you just made, the average person has never thought about this kind of stuff. And this is 90% of the time is a misunderstanding. And I'm and probably so, being generous. Yeah. And if you just clarify that, that oh, no, that they couldn't build, you know, a gas station under this plan or whatever they go okay, well, someone told me they could. You're like, no, they can't. And they're like, oh, okay, I'm good then. <laughs> but none of it, I mean, again, we all ran for office and had a huge learning curve on this stuff. People who've never been engaged in public, you know, in government uh, certainly don't understand it until it's the property next door to their house or at the end of their street. So um, that is that is a challenge and it is probably half of the work you do as a council member. So uh, my advice is just continue to lean on staff and they, and they don't ever mind getting that phone call and answering those questions because they want the council to come in as prepared for those meetings as possible. 
because it makes their life easier too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. That's good. I, and I do, I'll call Dave. Um, I called him this week because of one of the hearings. I knew it was going to be contentious. I'd already spoken to, you know, uh, the leader from our community and I knew she was like a H-E double hockey sticks. No. Um, and so I still got some work to do there to see where we can meet in the middle. Um, and, and he brought me up to speed. He was really, you know, uh, patient and kind. And so, yeah, it was good. The and only then bad thing I can say about Dave is that he cut that beautiful mane of hair he used to have. That oh, he used to have long hair? Or is he growing it back out? No, I don't think he has. I don't know. It's a good question. He used to have some, like, Fabio hair. It was oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. It was not. Uh, it was strange. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so what are your final final thoughts? Questions? Yeah, final thoughts uh, to us, to uh, the community, to the listeners of how you want them to know you and think of you. Well, I, I consider, and this may seem cliche. I know everyone says this, but I really mean it. I, I don't feel like I'm a politician. Uh, I don't even feel like I'm a career politician. I feel like service is where my heart is. Um, and so... Public sir, I love our public servants. I, I highly respect people who serve the public. I think there's something in a human who decides to take the public service that's not in everyone else. And that's not to say that we're better. And that's any public service, by the way. That's you know our our officers, you know our firefighters, you know the people who just take the position that they intend to make the community that we live in a better place. I feel like that's a heartfelt energy that I like to be around. Um, and that's why I took this position. That's why I took the path. And my hope is to create an impact for the side of town that I've lived in and raised my children in. You know, um, the, I, I own a home here. I'm invested in this part of town. So it's not just about the notoriety. As, as you've heard from my resume, I'm not here because I need the clout. I got a resume with education and service enough to go and get an amazing job. That was the plan. So it's not like, you know, and I've been a capital scholar in public policy. I've been a, 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 a ambassador for the United Nations. It's, it's not like a, I'm going to take it and I need it to do something else. It's that I really would like to see an impact in the East Charlotte community. We have an area of opportunity. We have people who've laid a foundation. I know that I come along and I add to that foundation. And I feel like I'll bring a unique perspective, a, a multi-ethnic, racial, you know, multi-experience perspective that I feel like can add value. So um, if there is something that I would like people to know, it's that, you know, um, I'm not afraid of the politics. I've worked on a few political campaigns, um, but even then I didn't take the position of uh, the fighting part because I feel like even if there's disagreement, there's, you know, there's something that, that, there's always a bridge in my heart, in my mind, there's always a bridge. There's something, for an example, Tarek, you and I, we haven't had a real disagreement yet. Ideologically, we may not even what you would say align on absolutely everything, but I'll I put that on my to-do list, Marjorie. <laughs> look, <laughs> look, but I do feel like if, and when that time comes, I feel comfortable in saying that I will come to you and I will attempt to have a very human conversation with you and see where you and I can meet. Yeah. And the thing that you hold strongly, and there would obviously be something that I hold strongly. And I remember growing up as an 80s baby, 
we used to have debate. We used to have, you know, it used to be that if someone aspired to take this role or this path, that it meant that two opposing sides would have to first defend their idea, right? You should be able to state and defend that idea against opposition, you know, so you should be fully prepared to do that both sides, right? But then at the same time, I think the third objective would obviously be to find where we can meet. Maybe we both don't get exactly what we want, but we're paying attention to what both, you know, um, both parties or both, you know, interests can 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 meet and, and consolidate those things. So that's the perspective I come from. That's what I would like people to know about me. And that's hopefully the imprint that I'd like to leave on our city once this is done for me. Love it. Well, Love, and speaking also, just side note, if you, for the listeners out there, we forgot to mention this. I didn't even think of it. Uh, the open air flea market is yeah. back. Uh, the Yay. old Eastland vendors plus some new ones as well. Thanks to Daniel Levine and Windstream. That stuff, while it's in the eastern portion of Charlotte, actually District uh, 6 <laughs> uh, specifically. So, but um, again, that's that's going on and that's something that has been missing for a while and we're all really excited. So support them. Starts at 9 a.m. every Saturday and Sunday uh, out there across from the Super Walmart near, I think it's Monroe and, uh, and uh, uh, one of those other roads. Good detail, Tark. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. I appreciate you running and serving. And I know you're doing it with, with a pure servant's heart. Keep doing what you think is right and not what you think is popular. Uh, that can be tough sometimes, but uh, Go. stick to it. And we appreciate you coming on the podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Larkin. Thank All right. You. Election recap. Speed round. Let's go. All right. Well, the, uh, we'll let Marjorie log off there. All right. Take care. Bye, y'all. Bye. The, uh, the upshot was uh, Republicans had a pretty good night statewide in North Carolina, a pretty uh, mediocre night nationally, and a bad night in Mecklenburg County. So what, what do you want to hit first? What, what was the big surprise for you? I mean, I think I think you and I both expected that Ted Budd would win. He did. Yep. It was obvious. We knew Alma Adams and Jeff Jackson would win. They did. Yep. The statewide judges, Republicans sweeping those, that was probably – for a North Carolina resident, that was probably the biggest deal or the most. That's our biggest. Yeah, that's thing. definitely our biggest win. It, when you look at the entire kind of North Carolina election there from a, yeah. we were, we were. That hopeful, one hurt the but, most from my vantage point. Yeah. That's uh, going to, that's going to be a big, big deal. Uh, um, Republicans have a super majority in the state Senate, but uh, missed out on one in the state house by one vote. Interestingly, uh, or one seat. Interestingly, you uh, many people are probably correctly attributing that seat to a seat in Cabarrus County that was flipped. It was Larry Pittman, um, who was arguably the most unqualified member of the Republican caucus in Raleigh. I, even some of the Republicans would, would have agreed with that openly. Um, he was kind of a nut. He, I, don't, I don't know much about the Republican who ran to replace him, but uh, a Democrat won by just literally a couple hundred votes. Yeah. And I, I don't know that I, I've, I've crossed paths with the Republican a couple of times. I came Estraveria or something like that. Something like that. I, I like, don't know him at all. Not making any personal judgments. I've heard secondhand that he might've not been the strongest of candidates. Again, I have well, no idea. Be better than Larry Pittman. <laughs> well, but the, um, the fact of the matter is we lost out on a super majority in the general assembly, uh, 
you know, by 200 plus votes. That's yeah. if you're, if you think your vote doesn't count, it, it can, does. it can. Um, Mecklenburg continues to have one member of the Republican party and its delegation that will once again be John Bradford, who was the only Republican in the delegation last time Yeah, it's uh, up in North Mecklenburg. Great for John, great for glad to have um, one, but it, you know, and yeah, actually I think for me on the legislative side, the one that I thought was going to be closer than it was, um, and I'm trying to find the numbers on it. I can't seem to, but Bill Brawley, I thought Bill Brawley race would be closer than it ended up being. Yeah. Um, well, I can't find the results on that one. Well, anyway, there's somewhere in there. He, he actually got beat uh, more soundly than I expected him to, particularly because this time, he was not running against Rachel Hunt. I mean, Rachel Hunt is obviously um, a big name. She's got incredible ability to fundraise and she beat him narrowly the first time and, and still pretty close the second time. Um, I expected him running against someone who was lesser known than Rachel Hunt uh, to probably fare better. Oh, here it well, is. And, and a lot of resources got lost, poured into that race. by 2,000 votes in a race with yeah. um, 38,000 votes. So, I mean, yeah. It was it was almost five point loss, which I, I think was maybe unexpected. Um, Matthew Ridenauer, uh was unsuccessful. He was the one Republican I think you and I both thought had a chance on the county. I, I really, I, I mean, if you're going to talk about what surprised me most of the local races, uh, one would be Sean Sean Strain losing, uh, but both of uh, our side folks losing up there. I wasn't so surprised with. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, because we had another Republican in the uh, unaffiliated race and they split the votes up. We knew from the Rhonda beginning, Cheek. Rhonda, yeah, Cheek. Rhonda uh, uh, like Rhonda a lot surprised because we not a surprise. Cause we told early on, we're like, this is going to absolutely and that was take a five way race five yeah. in a five way. Um, those are nonpartisan races. So they don't list the party. It's not as clear cut, you know, who's on. So the, the two, two Republicans Democrats started, yeah. you know, uh, siphoning votes from each other, but Matthew was the shocker for me. Like and that I was five really, points as well. Going into election day, uh, hearing what those numbers were for him, and hearing that if all the party votes fell to the side uh, and they had split uh, the early vote uh, down, Matthew would have been in in a in a leading spot going into election day when the Republican turnout is highest. And so, I mean, I was really really surprised by that and really sorry for my friend yeah matthew's a great guy i think um but you and i also i think both i mean i know we both like laura meyer uh yeah, i certainly sure. think she's done a good job i think matthew might have fared better were he up against someone else um because i think laura's well liked and has, has done a, a good job in the term that she's been there uh the school board had the most um was the most tumultuous and all Let's see, three of the four incumbents who were running for re-election lost. Uh, the one who won, Dumbledore Bailey, didn't win by much. And then you had two seats where you had an, the incumbent retiring. So you're going to have, a, I think, a majority of the – that should be five new members on a nine-member board. So you're going to have a majority of that board is going to be brand new. Um, one of the folks who lost like, in what I assume is your district, District 5 down there, which was Margaret Marshall – Trent Merchant had been on the school board before he ran. He was unsuccessful. Um, so you have got a whole lot of new folks coming well, in. And I I'm, don't really know much about some of them. Well, Lisa Klein, we kind of got to know her a little bit. A lot of the 
the the mom groups that um, have had a lot of frustration over the last three years really got behind and helped that campaign. And look, I'm I won't critique anyone who serves the public at all. Like, and I'll so I'll give that little asterisk there. But I will say I'm very <laughs> glad. But I'm very glad Trent Merchant is not going on that school board. I don't know Trent well, so I can't uh, I can't speak to that. He, he's he spent a solid couple years as a troll on Twitter. <laughs> Let's just say that. To be fair, so have you, and you're an elected officer. Not not like that, dude. <laughs> not like that. Uh, well, maybe I'll need to follow him on Twitter and see what's going on there. Well, um, our right. our good okay. friend, genuinely both a, a good friend of both of ours, Nancy Carter, dominated the soil and water race. She'll be back. Soil, the water, they're all the winners here today. Uh, Barbara Blyweiss will be back on that as well. She's awesome. Uh, all three bonds passed, and with uh, more overwhelming support than I've seen historically. Don't 77, forget 77, the fact 74. that even though they passed overwhelmingly, I think it was a two or three point difference between housing versus the other three, two. But that's always the case. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not always. It's always the case. Housing is always a couple of points behind the other two because there are people who are selfish assholes and look at it and go, well, these other two will benefit me and the affordable housing one won't. So I'm going to vote against it. No. Uh, well, anyway, I think that's, I personally voted against that. I personally voted against the housing of, one. Well, you're one of those assholes. No, I'm not. I, I realized <laughs> we're, we, we had, we'd be better off freaking getting one of those t-shirt guns and shooting freaking bills into the community rather than doing what we're doing right now with the money. I'm down for that too. Let's put that on the ballot. Where can you get a t-shirt gun? I think I'll say this we point. Need, Larkin. We need a t-shirt gun. So like when we had that, when we had the red, red ventures live episode, and a yeah. couple of other live, red ventures was the best because of the biggest room. If we'd have had a t-shirt cannon, you'd have messed really... up and shot it at some dude in the front row. And then we'd be sued. Yeah. But well, listen, I, here's one thing I'll say to close that part nationally. I think Republicans, the theme of we, we, you know, despite having literally every major institution against us, the mainstream media, uh, universities, corporate America, public sector, literally all of the, if you haven't sat and watched Meet the Press, it, it's something I have tr done as a tradition for 20 years now. I'm telling you, it is an all-out assault against Republicans every single Sunday, yet I still watch it, right? But despite all that, we are still picking up ground. Now, put that aside, though, we put up candidates in, in many scenarios that won a primary and should have won a uh, a general, and, and they were not strong candidates. Our lessons learned there, but I think y'all's lessons learned are you guys had a bit of an uninspiring candidate in Sherry Beasley, in my opinion, uh, and you guys decided to go to these sexy anti-Trump races. I think there's a difference between uninspiring. I, I think what you're saying is, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't think she is like a flashy, exciting candidate. But as far as inspiring goes... Did you watch the debate? I watched part of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. But I've seen her stump speech plenty. I've seen Bud's stump speech. I, and, neither, and to be fair, I don't think Ted Bud was an exciting candidate either. Neither of the candidates in this race were like getting a lot of national attention, partly because they weren't some sort of like weird celebrity well, Ted, Ted's strategy was like not to be flashy and out there right. everywhere it was Agreed. to run a data-driven campaign and I, and, but and I think Sherry, Sherry did not have not, that well she wasn't trying to make a splash either in terms of celebrity what I and mean actually, by uninspiring is that I'm talking about like it didn't it, you don't need to be an amazing order in the room if there's Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker and a guy who had a stroke there's all these things where like people were distracted with 
what was a more clickbait type news story out of other races. And frankly, our race just wasn't that exciting. But Sherry Beasley is inspiring in terms of the fact that as how qualified she is and the glass ceiling she'd have been breaking in North Carolina. Qualifications on paper and resumes mean absolutely <laughs> well, nothing to me. And that's really depressing. <laughs> what I mean by inspiring is not someone's resume or backstory or you know, oration skills of which the oration skills weren't all that great. It's what are you like? What are you inspiring me? Like, why would you, why should I give you my vote? What is it you're going to do? Because you're qualified for the job. Sorry. Anyone I, that can fog up a window pane is qualified for any of these jobs top to bottom right now. No, they're not qualified for it. They're they're They have the potential of winning it. There's a big difference there. What are you going to do? That's special. What are you going to do to put North Carolina on the forefront of all kinds of different topics right now. Like that's, I'm not I'm sure that for. Ted Budd made that case any more than Sherry Beasley made it. Well, but uh, Ted Budd got a lot of backing. He had a very strategic campaign and the DNC backing. did not back Sherry Beasley. His, no, that's the, correct. And, and right that right that. there is the difference maker. And, and the national party should be ashamed of how little they helped Sherry Beasley. And I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. But the fact of the matter is Sherry Beasley outraised Ted in terms of like actual donations into her campaign locally, he had a lot more outside money support. Now they both had a ton. Democrats always money. out outraise Republicans at a statewide level like that uh, every single so, time. It, it didn't demonstrate that he had more support. It demonstrated that people were pumping more money in from outside, which is a whole nother story. But anyway, anyway, uh, I don't well, think a, was a hillbilly elegy was where you guys decided to invest. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you actually know Tim Ryan. I've, I've met him, and I think we yeah, both like him. Yeah, he's become a buddy over the years. We talked uh, um, once Up in Ohio, he didn't have much of a chance of beating J.D. Vance, which is also crazy. But, like, there was more attention and more money pumped into that, again, because I think of the celebrity of J.D. Vance and the fact that Tim Ryan's a more nationally known figure having briefly run for president. Um, there was a lot more attention on that race than ours, and there shouldn't have been. Um, the Democratic Party should have put a lot more focus and sent a lot more high-profile surrogates to North Carolina. Well, the Carolina. Democrats are known for gravitating towards shiny objects. So once again, well, they proved that. I think I think both parties are currently guilty of that as well. Um, but it's yes, I will, I will accept your critique of the National Democratic Party in not doing more for Sherry Beasley. So what she you could have won. Tim Ryan couldn't, it, as it turns out. And uh, so misplaced priorities. Are you uh, are you celebrating you? You refer to it as Thanksgiving or I do. I do. It is a uh, secular holiday. You have a, you have a Thanksgiving we... tree of some kind or no, it's probably not Thanksgiving. It's more no, like it's... everything, everything I use to celebrate Thanksgiving is edible. It's like, it's like Turkey awareness day. Is that, is that, what, you, is that what you celebrate? Yes, I'm aware of how much Turkey I'm going to eat tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to crush some Turkey. Uh, yeah. I plan on throwing down. It's as you can imagine, as a guy who likes to eat, it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite holidays. I hope you're like hitting a jog every once in a while before these these uh, holidays, dude. No, just a slow meander back to the bed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right. Well, I got to finish packing and get on the road, and you've got to publish this episode before uh, you get too bogged down with Christmas. With Christmas episode, and uh, yeah, we'll be back at some point to have our annual holiday episode. Mm, love it. Happy Thanksgiving, right. buddy. Later, dude.